Hi, my name is Selena Riverneider, and welcome to my podcast, Marked as Red. I'm very excited for this episode because I got to interview Craig Davidson, or as I know him under his pen name, Nick Cutter, from his books, The Troop and The Deep. So, um, just to get some, like, basic information for my listeners who might not be familiar um, with you, um, if you could just tell me your name, where you're from, how long you've been writing. Sure. Um, So, my name, my actual name is Craig Davidson. I'm a Canadian writer up here in uh, Toronto, where I live with my family. Uh, And, you know, under my own name, I guess I've been writing for, I mean, on and off for, I guess, professionally, as you would say, for like 15 years. And then I wrote, I guess, my first Nick Cutter book, which is, I guess, what we're talking about, um, is my pen name. So I write horror books under a pen name. And I think the first book came out in 2014. So I've been writing for, say, six years, uh, sort of under the Nick Cutter banner. So that's more or less been my uh, career such as it is to this point. So how did you come up with the pen name, Nick Cutter? What made you want to use a pen name? Um, well, the, the, the second part of that question is, is kind of maybe the more interesting one. How it came up with is my, my, our firstborn son, his name is Nicholas. Uh, so I thought, well, uh, that would be a neat, neat little honorific for our son, whether you know, he's eight years old now, whether he's going to think when he's a teenager that that's so clever or classy. I have no idea, but at the point when we when Nick Cutter was kind of becoming a thing, um, when we were sort of putting together this idea of a pen name, I thought, oh, it'd be neat to name him after our, at that point, very young, you know, infant son. And um, and Cutter was just like, honestly, it's something me and my agent came up with. It's like, uh, we, we kind of had this kind of silly notion that um, horror writers should have these really declarative, punchy sort of nicknames, you know, Barker, King. So we thought, well, Nick Cutter, how, how much more sort of, uh, you know, how, how much more goofy really can you get from that? So that's how the name came up. And then as to why he wrote it under a pen name, um, I don't know how much your listeners know about the publishing world. I certainly didn't know as much uh, even before this experience of, of coming up with a pen name. But my, my agent sort of felt, uh, and not just him, but kind of the word on the street is like, Certain readers have a difficulty understanding that someone can write sort of this stuff over here and then this stuff over here. Um, it's almost like they can't hold that in their heads. And this felt, it was strange to me at the time because I'm like, when I, I was growing up, you know, I sort of had to be told at some point that the library even is organized into sections of like, you know, these books go here, these books go here, even nonfiction, fiction. I just, you know, as a kid, especially, I just roamed up and down the shelves and picked the stuff that seemed appealing to me, right? So I didn't really understand that there were kind of, um, that, that books got shelved in certain places and, and that publishers are really, you know, keen on making sure that there's this differentiation between um, this and that. So I guess a literary writer, which is what some people have thought me was, writing horror fiction was compared, maybe even dangerous on a career level. So, you know, at that point I was in my 30s and I was... Um, we just had a new baby and um, I just married my wife and it was like strangely it was kind of a decision that was made for practical reasons um, and and since then to be honest Selena, I've kind of regretted it because truthfully I um, you know I wouldn't want anyone to think that I put any less effort into the cutter books or that I 
you know, I grew up loving horror. I it was my first love. It still remains my first love. So the idea that that I had sort of taken a pen name to push myself away or or kind of distance myself from the, that work or horror in general general would have really is not the case. You know, I, I love horror. I do to this day, and I will to the day I die. That actually brings me in perfectly to my next question, um, which is, what do you like about writing horror? That's a great question. Um, again, I think simply I grew up reading it, right? You know, I was sort of a child of the 80s, um, and that was the big horror boom. That was Stephen King obviously being the vanguard, but all sorts of like really wonderful Clyde Barker, Robert R. McCannon, uh, Joe Lansdale, Anne Rice, um, sort of, and then a whole bunch of others, Koontz, you know, and then a whole bunch of others sort of behind them, um, maybe lesser like, but still like you could not, you know, in a bookstore in the 80s, you could not, you know, sort of go without, you know, a Stephen King book hitting you in the back of the head, basically, you know, or, or, or um, the, the racks of the old drugstore, you know, when I was a kid, they would be filled, filled with, you know, Stephen King and, and horror books. So I just, and my parents were great parents. Uh, but they really didn't care what I read so long as I was reading. So that, I think, for a lot of kids of my generation, that's why Stephen King was this kind of gateway, because even though his stuff was adult, uh, it was also really poignant, and it was also really actually accessible for a kid, say, at my age at that point, you know, 11, 12. Um, so I was just intoxicated with King first, and then, and then you know, I sort of immersed myself as deeply as I could in horror and all the nooks and crannies of horror. And, you know, over time, I went away and went to school, and I did a master's degree. And that way was a creative writing master's degree. And they sort of said, you, you know, you can write anything you want except at the time. And I hope, I hope now at UMass or, uh, you know, all the schools down in the States, like if you take a creative writing program, you're, it's a bit, there's a bit more leniency in sort of what you can write. But at the time for me, it was sort of like, you should write a good Canadian short fiction collection or a good Canadian novel, whatever that meant. And that meant, definitely meant uh, horror was, was off the ticket, like you couldn't do that. So for a great amount of time, I kind of wrote under my own name, books and stories that I was really proud of and I worked hard on, but I, I always had this notion that if I ever had the right idea, I'd really like to write a horror novel. And, you know, around about 2012, that idea came to me. And uh, and, and that sort of has set me on this sort of secondary career as Nick Cutter. Um, so the troupe is your first horror book, correct? Yeah. So what inspired the troupe? Yeah. Um, a lot of things, really. I think primarily, uh, I had written a book under my own name called Cataract City, and the first part of that book deals with two boys kind of lost in the woods. Um, and I really realized that I really enjoyed writing from the perspective of youth. It was the first time I had really written from a perspective of, say, a 12, 13-year-old. And it was a lot of fun. Maybe it was because I was at that certain point in my life where you become nostalgic and you look back at your own childhood. Um, with maybe even more fondness than you did in your 20s or 30s. And then I had this, um, me and my wife, we had moved to Toronto and we went to the Royal Ontario Museum, which is, you know, sort of the Louvre of Canada, whatever. It was, it's the big museum of Canada. And they have um, 
these traveling exhibits that sort of stay for a while and then move on. And it was called, it was water, you know, the way in which human beings use water. Um, and you think, well, how interesting is that? In fact, it was quite interesting, but there was this little kind of alcove off to the side where this film was playing on a constant loop. And I ducked in there and it was, um, it was tapeworms, you know, who, who often live and gestate and, and kind of do their business in water and then be, we and animals swallow them and then they, they kind of do other stuff once, once they're inside of us. And I was uh, fascinated. It's just the particular bent of my mind. So those two things came together, the notion that I would really like to write about that specific age in a boy or, you know, or a girl's life, you know, where you're like, um, you kind of want to be treated like an adult. Um, you're, you're kind of tired of being bossed around and feel like you're always sort of under the thumb of adult guidance. But at the same point, when things get really serious, you can always back off and say, listen, I'm just, I'm a kid. Like, I shouldn't have to deal with these sorts of things. And I wanted to kind of put the kids in the book in this kind of terrible crucible where they really had to move quickly um, and then sort of embrace these terrible adult responsibilities well before they really should have had to. So those kind of those two main things, and that's often how it is for me with novels, like you have an interesting set of characters that you feel like you're compelled to write about and a, and a specific kind of obsession and they sort of smash together and, and the novel kind of explodes out of it. Did you do any kind of research um, before you wrote the troupe? And if you did, what was that like? I think I probably did, Selena. It's, it's tough, you know, it's not like, it's not like 2014 when the book came out that long ago, nor is 2012 when I wrote the book that long ago, but um, there have been so many books in between that, that try and remember the specific circumstances that led to, you know, led to the creation of a, of a given book. Uh, it's sort of, they all blend together, sadly, in some ways. But in general, I am um, a researcher. I like to sort of, that's half of the fun of being of being a writer is you get to sort of go down backwaters and obsessional little channels. But if I wanted to read as much as I possibly could about tapeworms, I think I did. I think I probably did, you know. Um, and I certainly was influenced by other books that I had, I had read. Like, for example, I mean, I, I, I mentioned in the, uh, in, in the afterword of the book that, like, I really was influenced by the actual technique that Stephen King used in Carrie, which, um, you know, sort of involves, like, using newspaper clippings and other kind of evidence that, that is presented within the narrative as things that have been gathered after the fact of the actual event that happens in the novel. Um, that reflect on the novel, that, that find certain characters later on in their lives, and, and sort of give them this interesting window of being able to talk about something in a way that, um, that that they wouldn't be able to if it was just all set in the present day. So, so there's a lot of that too. I think with writers is, is the um, if you look at other books as sort of an engine, right? Like as a mechanic looks at an engine, it's like, wow, it's really interesting. What they've done here and you sort of break it down and see how it works and then you um, you take elements of it to sort of graft onto your own novel and and, um, and, and it runs differently uh, but ultimately uh, if, if you've done it properly then it, it kind of it runs in its own way that works for the book you I know that personally I found um, the parts of the troop which were the like scientific reports 
much more upsetting than the regular narrative just because of how blunt it was yeah i suppose there's it's very true you know i'm reading i'm reading a book called right now called uh, diggy ballard's crash which you know is an english writer and um made into a movie by by my countryman david cronenberg years ago and it's really it's it's about people who are fascinated and by car crashes sort of and, and that, that kind of obsessional nature of what it is to be in a car crash and the way if you survive it how it kind of scars not only your body but your mind but what i'm i'm really i realized when i read this book years ago and sometimes you do you realize that you've been influenced in ways you don't even remember but but it's very very clinical in the way it describes things that are really um painful or are and, and it's the clinical description that actually makes it more scary or or, or or sort of more off-putting because it's like why are you not why is the narrator not more bothered by the stuff that is being described here and and i think that's it it's like it's like the clinicality of something if you divorce yourself from from the horror of it it's actually it almost makes it seem like it's an android describing sort of things when you sort of Where's your humanity here? So, so I mean, I guess that was purposeful. It probably was, you know. I mean, every there's certain things in a book that I think writers will tell you um, are more instinctive, uh, and and certain aspects of a book that either are drawn from their own history or come from sort of some sort of instinctive push towards this just feels like the right way to to approach this scene or this character, and there are some things that are born of um, of just deep reading, long reading, and and certain sense of like you know what i think this works because um because the clinicality so i know i know what you're saying and i and i i know if it worked it's partially because i'd seen it work in other books really well or other movies and it's like okay this is actually i remember the way i felt and so obviously your hope is to sort of inspire the same kind of dread or revulsion or just like ickiness i suppose that um that i remember feeling myself yeah, that definitely worked. Um, so moving on to the deep, mm-hmm. uh, same question: What inspired you to write the deep? That's a great question, um, and that's probably a bit more difficult, you know, because mostly, you know, again, this is sort of inside baseball with publishing. Is you get, you know, you write a book. Say, I wrote the truth. And then, and then they take the the publisher takes it, and they always take it with like a book to follow, you know. So it's like it's a two book deal, and so then you're then and then all they really ask ever is like, um, you know, can you give us two sentences of what you think this thing is going to be about? And I think mine was like, you know, an undersea research station. Crap, crap bad stuff happened. You know, it literally was that. You know, and that was enough, right? Um, so then I was I was tasked with like okay well what you know what what is this story who are the characters what do I want to say um, I think especially with Cutter the Cutter books it's it's about focusing on like the troop was very much influenced by Cronenberg uh, by by John Carpenter by sort of the body horror uh, stuff that I really like so well uh, whereas is the, the Deep was more about um, enclosed spaces, claustrophobia, um, this feeling that any moment um, you could die, basically because the the structure that you're that you're in is is in an unnatural place for humans to be. 
um, seven miles under the surface of the sea where there's no light, there's no people. We shouldn't be there, basically. You know, that's nature telling us we don't belong here. But obviously, because we're humans uh, and because we actually have the instinct and ability, we, we can get ourselves down there. But then we probably ask ourselves, what, what the hell are we here? So, um, so I think that the whole book, in some ways, was probably more instinctive than the truth. There wasn't there wasn't a specific kind of um, guiding impetus to it, and it might be for that. You know, it's a bit more unstructured, really. It, it's sort of uh, you know, it's 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 probably, if I'm being completely honest, you know, it didn't it didn't exactly do the things that I wanted it to do. But I mean, I, I, knowing that having written as many books as I have, it's like there's a certain kind of alchemy that goes into each book and despite your efforts and despite your whatever skill you have you know some really kind of gel they just they just sort of gel and others sort of they at least for me as a writer they didn't quite exactly harmonize in the way that i wanted it to but at the same point you know now looking back i think that book came out in 2015 or 2016 it has its fans it's it's surprisingly durable like people there are people who really like that book despite what i think are its flaws um it works for them um there are there are a lot of people who like it that they, they, they would say that of, of the books i've written that's actually their favorite so there's no accounting for taste and there's no accounting for for especially in horror you know what i mean it's like it's like flavors of ice cream if if it if it's if it's the flavor that you really like and if it and if it kind of really I don't know, really commits to that flavor, then, you know, I think there are just going to be people who are, who are, whether, whether it exactly um, kind of works or not, there are just people that, that it works for them, you know? So I, so in, in that way, over the course of time, I've become more, um, more okay with that book um, because it seems like people really do. There are people who dislike it, like to the root of their soul, uh, you know? Uh, but then there are people who, uh, I wouldn't even say got what I was trying to do because, because to be honest, we had had a brand new baby and I was sleepless for a lot of it. So I think there's a lot of that in there too, just like sleep deprivation. Um, and, and that probably enacted itself on the narrative as well. So, um, yeah, so, so to be bluntly honest, it was a book that I wasn't really a hundred percent sure that I carried off. And I, I actually think I didn't, but despite that, um, it's got its, um, it's got its fans. Yeah, I would say the the setting in the deep is definitely very strong. I know for me, um, when I read the summary and, you know, saw where it took place, I just sure. sort of immediately went, well, this is going to scare me. It doesn't even matter what happens. <laughs> it almost doesn't, you know, it's like, I think that the best, the best choice that I made probably with that was, was the setting and was the sense that I probably... I mean, with every single book that I did, you know, often a question that writers get is, is how personal are any of these books? And my answer always is they're all deeply personal, you know, um, the, the, the sort of best and most resonant scenes that I've ever written in my life are ones that are probably, not probably, they're ones that come either from my own life and my own experience um or based on in, in in the cutter books on on some of my deepest most kind of primal fears and really like dredging those up and and um almost, you know, almost obsessing and, and being gratuitous in the way that you're really like continuing to go over that and and then kind of mine that that soil and mine that terrain from different angles um but i mean i've always said that's it it's, it's like it's like 
being honest with yourself, being as, you know, cliche as it means, being as deep down within yourself and dredging up those parts of yourself that um, are the most honest or the most um, icky. Uh, and, and, and that um, has always been kind of something that I felt the need to do. Uh, it's part, I think it's partly why I write, to be quite honest, is um, it's a weird kind of um, sharing with other people. And yeah, you do it from, from that distance of it being fiction. But um, within that, there's there's a lot of truth in terms of, and that's why it hurts. You know, I guess that that's why you know writers, you know, when it really hurts when you get when you get a bad review or something like that, because it feels like a someone has sort of not only read your book, but in some ways assessed you, and um, you know, I find you lacking more or less. You know, so but that's the risk you take as whether you're a writer or I mean, as a journalist, as you know, uh, you know, so I. I I was a journalist for, for years as well. And you think that's kind of one where you're a little more distant from from scorn, but I've discovered sometimes like anytime you do anything that's that's creative or um, you know, has that ambition, you know, it's just it's um it's a tool you have to pay to do the thing that you love, I think. Yes, I can I can relate to that. That's definitely always a a little fear in the back of my head anytime I publish something. So um, I noticed in both the troop and the deep, there's a similar theme of contagion, a lot more prominent in the troop than in the deep, but it really set up the whole narrative for the deep. So I was wondering, um, especially with how unfortunately relevant it is today, if you could speak I, Yeah, who would have known, right? Uh, you know, what my fascination is with that or where, where that came from that, you know, that's a, that's a good question, Selena. These are all good questions. I, I would say for me, it's sort of like, there are things in my books and you would talk to any other writer and they would say in, in, in his or her books that, that are, that are purposeful to, um, push the plot in a direction that it needs to go or push a character towards a certain point of consequence that, that they think that character needs to go in. But beyond that, there's just a lot of stuff that, that, that is kind of instinctive, you know, or comes from places that really, there's no rational uh, sort of selective conscious basis for where they came from. It just, it's something that felt, felt right. It's something that felt like it, or it went hand in hand with the, the concept once once it had locked in in my head that like um, the contagion, um, you know, came just, it, it, was, it was a natural sort of consequence of the idea itself, right? So, um, and that's always kind of been me that I, I know I've, I've talked to and, and love reading a lot of writers who you would consider more cerebral or, or conscious in every decision they make, like, like their, their book is a little kind of clockwork and, and, and every little gear, every tooth on the gear that they've created, they've thought each one of those out and they've, they've purposely selected each one of them to be in the place that it needs to be in. And I admire that deeply. Um, I am not of that school of writing, a writer, you know, it's much more like um, an instinctive kind of almost grappling in the dark until your hand closes around something in that darkness that feels reasonable for what you're trying to do and you then you pull it out of the darkness and you look at what you have and you're like oh no this is this is not what i want and it goes back in the dark or it's like th this is groomable this is this is something that 
that at its core is something that I want to work with and I want to um, turn over uh, and, and investigate, and then it becomes part of it. And it's 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 interesting because you you know I read a lot of writers and you know you read their, their ensuing books, and and you realize you know there's no there seems to be no more better job than being a writer for for investigating your own obsessions because like it or not, it feels like a lot of us come back to the same thing. And we never, I guess the reason you keep writing about it is because you never quite answer the whatever whatever deeply held question in your heart that you're trying to get at. Um, you know, so, so, so book after book, you see writers going back to the same sort of set of circumstances in different ways, you know, often in really interesting and, and, and ways in which um, maybe a reader doesn't even recognize that they're, they're walking the same terrain over and over, but the writer himself or herself kind of understands, yeah, I'm, I'm looking for something, and, and probably it's the search that is the most interesting to us, rather than, it's almost like, you know, I, I talked to a friend, and he was talking about these people who are like prospectors, you know, they're looking for like lost treasures that, you know, and it's the search. It's the search that's important for them. Like, if they ever actually find it, it's sort of like, what do I do with the rest of my life? It's like, what really motivates them and what, what kind of galvanizes them to the purpose of their life is actually the search. It's not actually the, um, the discovery. So at any point when you were writing or editing those two books, did you stop and think, this might be too much? Like, I might have pushed it too far. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great, that, that actually is, and I, I'm sure I've been asked that before, but um, how do I answer that? I mean, the, the answer is no, um, and it's sort of bifurcated. There's a lot of reasons why I, or maybe if I did, actually, that's not true. I probably did ask myself. It's more or less, I asked myself, and then I held a quick discussion with myself, and I said, let's keep going. Um, and in fact, let's make it even worse if I, if I can. So... Because I grew up as I, as I set off the bat, I, I started out with Stephen King, but then I then I really went down the rabbit hole of, of horror books and, and, and novels and, and movies and just horror as a aesthetic, really. And I, I'm here to tell you, Selena, there are things down in the dark, dirty pits of that particular that are that the, the truth looks like, you know, finger painting comparatively right so and i'm not saying i even like those things i just i just i was at a point in my life at some point where i just i i the more more shocking the more profane um give it to me like let let me sort of it's almost like holding your hand close to a flame and how close can you get and how how long can you take the burn for um and so i guess because my threshold had, had was so had gone so far beyond any boundary that a lot of readers would have. I, I recognized that I was writing as shocking, uh, difficult as it would be for some readers. It didn't even, you know, touch on some of the stuff that I knew was out there. Um, but beyond that, I think it's, it is a matter of like, you know, I could do anything in my life. You could do anything in your life. We have you even more so than me because you're younger, right? You know, there's, there's, a, there's, there's a point where like, but writing is like, it's certainly not the hardest job on it. There are way harder jobs, but it's tricky enough and difficult enough that like, if you're not doing what you want to do and saying the things that you want to say in the way that you want to say them, then my sense has always been go find something else to do. 
you know, like be be as honest and push as far towards the aesthetic that you want. And then, you know, honestly, obviously I could have sent the truth to my agent and he could have sent it out and it could have just been like roundly um, dismissed, roundly rejected, you know, and that would certainly be, certainly could have been. And I'm sure some, some people, editors did, you know, I don't know how many people it got sent to, but, but there would have been some who immediately read and just said, absolutely not. I don't want anything to do with it. And they're well within their rights to feel that way, obviously. Um, but for me, it was like, if I was going to write, if I'm going to write period, um, and I think when you talk to a lot of writers, they would probably tell you the same. It's like, you could write what people, what you think people want to read, or you could write what you want to, the stories you want to tell. And usually the stories that you want to tell are going to be the better and the more honest, um, and the more truthful and better stories. So I think for me, that was something that I navigated, but only in a really distant way. I didn't let it get in my way. And honestly, as you go on in the writing game, uh, that's where it gets dangerous because you start to misjudge yourself. You start to not trust yourself. And, and then you start to write to kind of please some invisible audience instead of writing ultimately to please yourself and hope that other people will join you in that ride. You know, so I think more and more and more lately I grapple with that. But definitely when I was writing The Truth and The Deep and Little Heaven even, um, that wasn't something I thought about. And I, to be honest, I kind of missed that. Uh, so I did um, a little bit of research um, and I saw that a while ago um, The Troop was maybe going to be turned into a movie. And I was wondering if that's still happening or if there's any timeline for that. <laughs> well, um yeah, it basically the the years ago it was optioned by uh, Blumhouse, um, and uh, and there was a screenwriter attached and there was a director attached and that all it, it fell apart. Which these things I can say with even other um, books that I've written, um, it's rare. You know, I've had a couple of my books turned into movies, um, and um, you recognize how. I recognize now anyways, my first one was turned into a movie. And so I guess I was sort of like, oh, well, that's easy. I guess, you know, basically all my books will get turned into movies. That, that was a snap. You realize now, you know, sort of 15 years on that that, that, um, that was a, um, a, a, a bit of a hallucination, sort of like, you know, you can't, you can't expect that to happen. Uh, and so with the troupe, it's been... Um, it's it's been optioned, uh, you know, kind of consistently since since the day it was published. Um, it's gone through, you know, it's an option, and then a script gets written, and then uh, for whatever reason they can't get it up off the ground. And and truthfully, it's a it's a rather, you know, <laughs> I mean, you having read it, right? Like it's it's there are certain things that would be maybe people in the flyover states or up here in Canada would be like. I'm not really sure I want to watch that movie, you know? Um, so, and I haven't read the, basically it's been, it's been optioned by um, James Wan's company. who was a, obviously James Wan is a wonderful director and, uh, and uh, two younger guys have written the script. And for everything I've heard, it's, it's a really good script and there's, there's excitement about it. Um, and a director has been attached. So like all of these little, from what little I know of the film industry, you kind of need to lock certain things in place and then it can all of course fall apart anyways. But um, right now it's, 
Uh, I think it's at a fairly good place outside of the fact that we're, you know, as a, as a world locked in COVID and that makes it more difficult to sort of move forward on all sorts of things. But, um, you know, honestly, Selena, I haven't read the script. I've always thought that personally they would have to change certain aspects of the troop. You know, they would have to like make the kids older maybe, or I don't really know. So, so I, it would be interesting to see if they actually are, are in any way kind of, um, um, authentic to the book. I wouldn't be upset if they weren't, you know, that's really not my business. Um, uh, I would, you know, be happy with whatever they have done, but I, but I do think, uh, as I just feel like a bunch of kids getting eaten by tapeworms would be a difficult sell. So <laughs> that said, uh, they, um, they continue to work on it and, um, I'm certainly hopeful. It's not, it's, it's, I'll say this, Selena, it's at about as good as a spot as a book like that can be for feature film, um, being made, you know, whether we ever see it at any point in our lifetimes, I have no idea, but, um, you know, there's, there's people who've tried, God bless them. Yeah. Uh, my editor and I were, um, were talking about this because I had talked about the troop on a previous episode of my podcast and she said, you know, she had looked it up out of curiosity and saw that it um, was being talked about as turned into a movie. Mm -hmm. And she was asking me, she hadn't read it, but she was like, as someone who read it, do you think they could do that? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know I, either. I don't know. I mean, there, you'd like it. Yeah, it's almost like someone said once it would make a, you know, if you make it into a low budget film, then, um, and it would never be a big budget film anyways. It's not like you need $50 million to make the troop. But if it were lower budget, you could you could maybe make it more um, truthful, if you want to say that, to the actual the actual book. You know, you could you could maybe include a couple of those scenes that ultimately in a bigger budget sort of like multiplex movie you couldn't do even even a horror movie. But you, I've always been surprised. You know, I watch a ton of horror movies as well, and. Um, it's it's interesting what people will the threshold that they have. I mean, again, I I think I was one thing I've been shocked about with say the troop and the deep, but how many uh, high schoolers, even junior high students, read it? You know, and I shouldn't have been because that was me. You know, I I was you know when I was that age that that was what I was looking for. I was looking for um, horror in all of its manifestations. But if it was like the more kind of like um, taboo the better you know because there's nothing appeals to a high schooler like something they shouldn't be sticking the nose in right so and i think the troop has kind of become that in, in, in for a certain readership it's like this book that like wow it's really out there man um so again i think each book that i've ever written or each each book that exists in the world ends up taking its own path and it ends up having its own life um, but it's been specifically interesting to see see the life that the that the troop has had, um, and whether again whether that kind of annexes it from ever really being a movie, it could be, you know. But I'm glad I wasn't thinking about that when I was writing the book. You know, I was just thinking about writing a kind of bizarre book. So <laughs> and and the deep too, all of the cutter books actually. I, I think I'm 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 committed to writing things that are. Um, that really like horror cognoscenti could see the, the antecedents and kind of the influences. Um, 
but at the same point, even them are seeing something that, wow, I haven't seen that exactly before. That's interesting. So um, that it's been fun. It really honestly has been a fun secondary career. Uh, so last question that I have for you, because um, part of what I do on my podcast is I give my listeners um, book recommendations. And oh. I was wondering if you had any book recommendations. Sure. I have lots. How, how about I give you a just a, a horror, I guess, kind of within that, that genre. I mean, I mentioned Crash. I think Crash is awesome. If you haven't read, you know, I know you probably have a long, younger listenership and, and um, J.G. Ballard is, is passed away some time ago. But I mean, Crash holds up. I mean, if you're looking for something that's like outre, and it came out in like 1973, and at that point, it just blew everybody's hair back. And I think it still would, you know, to be quite honest. It's like, it's an absolutely fascinating piece of work and it really it takes am amazing risks. Um, you know, if you haven't read, um, it was just made into a movie. He's a friend of mine up here in Canada. Um, Ian Reed's um, I'm thinking of ending things is a really mind bending, creepy, awesome piece of work. And his second book foe is really awesome too, I think. Um, so he's, I mean, his two books, those two books, he's written some nonfiction, but those two books, um, uh, sort of his two novels are fantastic. Um, who else would I recommend um, that I've read lately? Or I'd have to be looking sort of at my, my sort of horror library. One more would be like, um, it's a bigger one, but Carrying Comfort by Jane Simmons is a really good book. He's an old, and again, an older writer too. Um, but it's a really, it's a big book. So be ready for, you know, um, a big read, but it's got a super cool concept. He's an absolutely sensational writer. Um, so that would be, yeah, those would be three that I would sort of unstintingly recommend. Well, thank you so much. You gave me really great answers and I'm really excited to put this out there. Well, thanks so much, Lee. And they're really good, thoughtful questions. That's all that I have for today. Thank you so much for listening, and a special thank you to Craig Davidson. If you like my content, you can find more of it on my personal YouTube channel, at Selena Riverniter. I also have an Instagram under the same username, at Selena Riverniter, all of which will be linked down below. See you soon.